That night, the Lord said to him, take your father's bull and the second bull, seven years old, and pull, the, and pull down the altar of Baal and your fa- that your father has and cut down the Asherah that is beside it. And build an altar to the Lord your God on top of the stronghold here with stones laid in due order. Then take the second bull and offer it as a burnt offering with the wood of the Asherah that you shall cut down. So Gideon took ten men of his servants and did as the Lord had told him. But because he was too afraid of his family and the men of the town to do it by day, he did it by night. When the men of the town rose early in the morning, behold, the altar of Baal was broken down and the Asherah beside it was cut down. And the second bull was offered on the altar that had been built. And they said to one another, who has done this thing? And after they had searched and inquired, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, has done this thing. Then the men of the town said to Joash, bring out your son that he may die. For he has broken down the altar of Baal and cut down the Asherah beside it. But Joash said to all who stood against him, will you contend for Baal or will you save him? Whoever contends for him shall be put to death by morning. If he is a god, let him contend for himself. Because his altar has been broken down. Therefore, on that day, Gideon was called Jerub Baal. That is to say, let Baal contend against him because he has broken down his altar. All right. So we're going to look at a few things here in the story of Gideon. But the first thing I want us to see is God's instruction to Gideon. God's instructions to Gideon. See, the first thing we see is man, when, in verse 25, it says, That night the Lord said to him. Now, I don't know about you, but... Whenever I've read my Bible, especially like when I was younger and I would read my Bible, I would read passages like this, and I would almost kind of get frustrated, right? Because it says like, okay, man, so like God came to Gideon like that day, and Gideon's like, okay, you know, they, like this thing, and then man, like that night, God spoke to him. I don't know, there's, but for me, I would read that, I'd be like, man, like, like that's it, you know? I mean, God, like, spoke to him, like, he didn't, there was no delay, like, Gideon didn't have to wait a long time, like, and, and God, like, just spoke audibly to Gideon like this, like, man, like, why, God, why doesn't God speak to me like that? I don't know if you've ever felt this way, but you read times, especially in the Old Testament, where God just speaks so clearly to people, and you're like, man, like, why doesn't God speak to me like this? Like, man, I'd be, I'd be obedient, too, if God would speak to me like that. See, Gideon didn't have to sit around and wait for God to speak. That very night, Gideon set himself apart for the work of the Lord, and God spoke to him. Now, we've got to be careful not to draw, like, improper conclusions here, right? We don't want to un- assume, okay, that every time that God speaks, it's gonna speak, he's going to speak exactly like this. I'm not saying this is the normal experience for a Christian, okay? So if you're saying, like, man, like, God's never spoken to me like he spoke to Gideon here, it's not because you're a bad Christian. But here's what I want us to understand. What does God command Gideon to do? God commands Gideon to offer a sacrifice and to remove the idols that were in his house, okay? You with me? You guys smelling what I'm stepping in? You with me? All right. Now, here's the deal. The, the command to offer sacrifices and the command to remove idols, to not worship idols, is a command that God had already given the people of Israel, right? So is there anything that God is saying to Gideon that is new? No. Okay. Here's what I want us to understand. Because when it comes to hearing from God, the problem isn't that God has not spoken or that God isn't speaking. 
It isn't that he's delayed in speaking. It isn't that, you know, he's speaking very quietly. Most often the problem, then the reason that most of us do not hear from God is because we ignore how God chooses to speak. Does this make sense? And how God chooses to speak primarily is through his word. You with me? See, Gideon, what Gideon had just received from God was a command that was already in the word, already in scripture, which Gideon had access to. You see, God's word, the Bible, is inerrant, which means that it does not have errors in it. It is infallible, which means that it cannot lead you to error. Right? And when we talk about being used by God, when we say, man, what does God want me to do? The Bible is actually very clear on what Christians are to do. We talked about this last week, right? The command that all of us have as Christians is, one, to live a life worthy of the gospel. Glorify God with my life and to glorify God by making disciples. This isn't something that only pastors do or only adults do. Or, no, like all of us have give, been given this command. So it's not, God, what do you want me to do? The Bible's very clear on what he wants us to do. 2 Timothy 3.16 through 17, it says, all scripture is breathed out by God. How much of scripture? All of it. Good job. You're paying attention. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable. What does that word profitable mean? Zach? Huh? Money-wise, it could be, but like in this case, what do you think it means? Yeah, it, there's, there's something to be gained by it, right? So it's, it's useful. Right? So all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable, or it, it, it's useful, right? You can gain things from it for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Now I want you to focus on verse 17, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So what we understand is this idea of man, if I want to understand what God wants me to do with my life, because I think all of us would want to know that, right? Man, what does God want me to do with my life? The answer to that is in scripture. And it is to make disciples of all people. Now, from Genesis to Revelation, this means that everything that you need to be able to accomplish God's will and God's desire in your life, everything you need is in this book. In this book. Not only that, but it's sufficient to make the man or woman of God complete and equipped for every good work. So naturally, we're led to this question, though, is what about specific things that the Bible doesn't really talk about, right? Because, okay, like, God wants me to make disciples. I get that. But some of you are, are left kind of with this question. Okay, like, I understand God wants me to make disciples. So it's not really like, God, what do you want me to do? But it's more, God, how do you want me to do it? Like, we want specifics, right? Have you ever had somebody talk to you and they're just super vague when they talk to you? And you have no idea what they're talking about. Like, I know what you're talking about, but I don't know what you're talking about. See, a lot of us, we want specifics, right? So, for instance, like, how do I know whether a relationship is good or bad for me? How do I know whether I should let go of this thing or, or that thing? Or how should I know, you know, how God has called me to do specific things, right? So, they're like, man, there's specifics that we encounter in our lives that the Bible doesn't necessarily have direct answers for. But here's what I want you to understand. You with me? All right, pay attention. The will and the desire of God for your life flows from the character of God and who he is. Does this make sense? So here's what I'm trying to tell you. If you want to know specifics of how God wants you to do specific things in your life, 
the answer is going to be found in getting to know who God is. Because when you get to know who he is, you get to know what he wants. Let me give you an example. So my wife, me and my wife, we've been, we've been married for four and a half years, almost five years. Uh, we've been dating, you know, we were dating before that. So really we've known each other for like about seven years. And what I've learned is that whenever we go to certain restaurants, like I know what drink my wife wants based off the type of food we're eating, right? I'm just good like that, okay? And why is that? Here's the thing. It's not that she's told me, hey, with this food, I like this drink. With this food, I like this drink. It's not that she's told me that. It's because after seven years, I have gotten to know her. I have observed her. I know what she likes, what she doesn't like. I have watched her and gotten to know her over seven years. And now she doesn't have to tell me what she wants. I know what she wants because I know her. Does this make sense? It's the same way in our relationship with God. Oftentimes, the reason you don't know what God wants you to do isn't because you're a bad Christian or it isn't because you don't know the Bible very well. It's oftentimes because you just don't know God very well. But I want you to know something, that it's okay to start there. You with me? Everybody at some point is ignorant of God. But it's not okay to stay there. Right? I've been with my wife through dating, marriage, seven years. If I knew my wife the same now as I did when we met, you would think that there's something wrong, right? You think there's a problem. Here's what I want to ask you How much more do you know God now than when you first got saved? Because if it's a problem with my marriage, why isn't it a problem with your walk with God? The problem is because we grow lazy in our walk with God, right? See, see, we, un- we want God to speak to us, but we need to understand how God has spoken and how God speaks is through his word and through getting to know who he is. We see this with uh, earlier in, in Judges, right, where Gideon is speaking to God and, and all these different things. I don't have time to really get into all that, but here's the main point I want you to understand is that ultimately God is not silent with you. See, this book, the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, was written over a span of about 1,500 or 2,000 years by over 40 different authors over a span of three separate continents who wrote in three different languages, shepherds, kings, scholars, fishermen, prophets, military generals, cupbearers, and priests, all of them writing under the direct inspiration of God the Holy Spirit, teaching the same thing with total unity, the same thing with the scarlet thread of the gospel woven all throughout. What could be super, more supernatural than that? As soon as we begin to see the Bible as something that's common, we begin to have a problem. Does this make sense? The fact that you have this Bible, if you, the fact that you have a Bible is a miracle. And it should be seen that way. So when we see God command Gideon, but we also see what does God command Gideon to do? He commands Gideon to remove the idols from his own house first. Right? Because if you know the story of Gideon, what you know is that ultimately Gideon frees Israel, right? He starts out with like thousands of soldiers, and then God whittles it down to 300 soldiers. And, and man, he defeats the Midianites with 300 soldiers, and it's like this amazing victory. 
But before we even get to that, God commands Gideon to take care of his own house. To take care of his own house. And here's what I want you to understand. Gideon could not lead the nation if he could not lead his own home. You, this makes sense? Gideon could not do the great things if he couldn't do the little things. Because a lot of us, when we talk about wanting to be used by God, we talk, man, we talk about all these great things. And you know what? That's good. You should have big aspirations. You should want to do big, amazing things for God. But here's the deal, guys. If you're not taking care of the everyday little things, don't expect to be used to accomplish great things. See, I love the game of football. I love the game of football. I think one because I I love the sport, but also man, there's so many life lessons that you can pull out of it, right? And and really, what you find is man, like you could play a whole game, and how many quarters are there in the game of football? Four, right? There's four quarters. What I found is that man, you could play great all game, but if you have one really bad quarter, it could throw off your entire game. What you find is that the whole game is made up of quarters, and the, qu- or the quarters are made up of possessions, and the possessions are made up of plays. And what you see is that one giant game is actually made up of very small plays. If you want to be used by God to accomplish the great things, you need to be faithful with the little things that he gives you. See, before Gideon could address the idolatry of the nation of Israel, he had to address the idolatry that was going on in his own house. See, Generation Z, okay, which is you guys. Generation Z, according to several studies, is very, like, outward focused. And what I mean by that is you guys are a generation that more than my generation and generations before, you guys are more concerned about wanting to make a difference in the world, which is a good thing. Right? Wanting to make a difference in the world. Want to make a difference in your communities and your churches. And, and that's why, personally, I think that a lot of the things that we see today, such as, you know, like gender ideology and these other things that are big deals, I think the reason that it's so, so, such a big deal for your generation is because you guys want to help people. Now, oftentimes it's misguided and different things like that, but ultimately it comes from a good heart, right, of wanting to help. So I believe that you are in this room, you want to help. I believe in this room that if you love Jesus, you want to make an impact in making disciples. Here's the question. Are you willing to address the idols in your own life first? Are you willing to address the idols in your own life before addressing the issues in the lives of others? Here's the thing, guys. It's very easy to point people to the cross without finding yourself there first. It's very easy to talk about a relationship with Jesus without nurturing your own. Trust me, I'm a pastor. It's not very difficult for me to get up on stage and tell you about how you need to nurture your own relationship with God and different things like that. It's very easy for me to do that and at the same time not be doing it in my own life. It's easy to address idols in the lives of others, but rather difficult to address the idols in our own lives. And God forces Gideon to look inward before moving outward. I want you guys to understand, this is a, this is a huge thing, right? Before looking outward, be willing to address inward. Here's a good side note, a good thing if you want to memorize or write it down or whatever. What God is doing in you 
will always come before what God is doing through you. See, what God is doing in you will always come before what God is doing through you. Now, this doesn't mean you have to be perfect before God can use you, right? Don't think that. Gideon was far from perfect. When we find Gideon, he's threshing wheat and hiding because he's afraid. Even later in the story, we see that he's afraid. So don't think that, man, i got to perfect myself before I can be used. No, you just have to be willing to address, like what we talked about last week, right? Acknowledge your weakness, turn from your weakness, turn to Jesus, and trust in his strength. See, oftentimes the problem isn't that people aren't aware of their idols. The problem is that they're unwilling to tear them down. Gideon had to address the idols in his own house before he can address the idols of the nation. The second thing, or the third thing that we see when it comes to God, God's instruction to Gideon is this. Gideon obeys despite his fears. Verse 27. So Gideon took ten men of his servants and did as the Lord had told him. But because he was too afraid of his family and the men of the town to do it by day, he did it by night. So what we see is Gideon, what does he do? He goes to do what God tells him to do. But he does it at nighttime. Why does he do it at night? Because he's afraid, right? He's afraid of his family. He's afraid of the people in the town. All these different things. So here's the thing. Was Gideon afraid? Yes. Is it normal to be afraid when it comes to doing the right things? Yes, it is. It's normal. Sometimes, sometimes you're not afraid, but other times you do get afraid. Here's the thing. Will you allow your fear to drive you to disobedience? That's the problem. See, Gideon was fearful, but he still obeyed. You with me? Gideon was afraid, but he still did the right thing. Gideon understood that for him to do the right thing, it was going to put him at odds with the people in his own home. It was going to put him at odds with the people in his town. And he was fearful of what it might mean for him. However, he didn't allow his fears to keep him from obedience. See, your faithfulness to God is not measured by not being afraid. Your faithfulness and your trust in God is measured by being obedient in the face of your fears. Right? Many of you find yourselves knowing the right thing to do. Maybe even right now, you man, you like you think of man that 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 idol that's in your life and you know the right thing that you need to do, but you're fearful of what will happen if you do it. You're fearful of what it will cost you. You're fearful of the relationships that you could lose. You're fearful of the opportunities that you could lose. You're fearful of all these different things. And here's the thing. That's normal, and honestly, it's, no, it's especially normal for people your age. And I wish I could tell you that it gets better as you get older, but as you get older, you just get more responsibilities, and there's just more to lose. But here's the question. Will you allow your fear to drive you to disobey? So here's the, here's the thing, too, is that Gideon feared God more than he feared the people in the town. Because here's the thing, guys. That which you fear the most is that which you will obey the most. You ever see in the Bible when it talks about that, that somebody feared God? You ever see that in the Bible? And a lot of people say, like, well, man, well, when they talk about fearing God, well, it's not that they were afraid. It's more that they were they they respected him, and I get what they're saying. But like, when you see people encounter God in the Bible, like 
they're definitely afraid, right? They're definitely afraid. And here's what I want us to understand. Now, there's a way of being, of fearing God, but at the same time embracing him. I'll give you an example. So, like, my dad, I've given this example before, but, like, so my dad growing up, um, I understood that my dad was, uh, was a black belt, all right? And, and, I understand, and I grew up with these stories of my dad, like, you know, having to defend himself and all these things. And I'm like, yo, like, my dad's a ninja or whatever. And it was cool. But, like, and there was also times where, like, we would, like, play fight and stuff like that. And, like, there's times where, like, Brock will, like, you know, mess with my dad and, and stuff like that. And my dad's, like, in his 50s now. And I'm like, see, you can do that. Because when I was doing it, he was, like, in his, like, 30s and early 40s. And he would just give me that work. And I didn't want it, right? But well, here's what I learned, though, is that, like, I would play around with my dad. But I understand that if he wanted to, he could just kick the tar out of me, Right? And it made me like, man, it made me like, okay, I'm not going to, I'll play around, but I'm not going to get crazy. But then there's times where when I was younger and we would walk in places that were kind of sketchy, you know, like, especially like if you go to like, we would go to football games and different things like that. And after a football game at night, it's crazy. There's a lot of people that are making unwise decisions and stuff like that. And here's the thing, that which made me fearful of my dad when I was playing around is that which made me stick closer to my dad when I felt when I needed it. See what I'm saying? That's what we're talking about when we talk about a fear of God. It's, okay, I'm not going to mess around with him because I understand who he is, but at the same time, it's understanding who he is that draws me closer to him. See, Gideon was more, Gideon would rather disobey man and suffer their wrath than disobey God and suffer his. See, Proverbs 9, 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Matthew 10, 28. Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. See, oftentimes the problem that we have is not strictly a lack of love, but oftentimes it's a lack of fear. We need to get to know who God is. So we see all these different things, right? We see how God has commanded. There's, there's so much more that I would want to talk to you about, but we've got to save time for groups, and that's okay. We're going to do groups, but. So we see God's instruction to Gideon, the last part, and it's not nearly as long, so don't worry, is, God, is Gideon's response to God. Gideon's response. So he does it, he obeys. And then, we get, then the people notice, right? The people see what happens. It says, when the men of the town rose early in the morning, behold, the altar of Baal was broken down, and the Asherah beside it was cut down. And the second bull was offered on the altar that had been built. And they said to one another, who has done this thing? And, and after they had searched and inquired, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, has done this thing. Here's what you need to know, guys, is that when Gideon did the right thing, even when he did it in secret, people noticed. Right? And here's what I want you guys to know, is that when it comes to living a life of holiness that God has called you to live, eventually you will stand out. Eventually. If you don't want to stand out, I'm just going to tell you, if you don't want to stand out, the easiest way to do that, the easiest way to blend in is to disobey God. It's the easiest way to do it. But if you obey God, eventually, you will stand out, which is why the church is so important, right? Because if we all stand out, hey, cool, right? If we're all weird and we get together, then none of us are weird. You know what I mean? Right? 
That's kind of a joke, but whatever. Right? But, but honestly, that, that's what we, <laughs> so we need to understand, right, is that what Gideon did ultimately when it comes to pursuing a life of holiness, hold on, guys, when it comes to pursuing a life of holiness, it's always hard, but eventually people will notice. So I was going to use this example last night. I didn't. So there you go, Brock. I didn't use your example, but it is Brock's example. I'm stealing it. You guys ever heard of a Chinese bamboo tree? All right, so Chinese bamboo tree is it takes a long time to plant Chinese bamboo. It takes a long time. It takes days after day after day of watering. And ultimately what happens, you will water and nurture this thing for five years before it begins to grow. Now, hold on, hold on. Five years of watering and watering and watering and nothing comes above the surface. But once it does come above the surface, it grows to 90 feet tall in how long? 20 days. Five years of nothing, 90 feet in 20 days. And the reason is this, is because for those five years, the bamboo tree, it grows down before it grows up. Here's what, so here's the thing. After five years of watering and watering and watering, it looks like nothing's going on. But what's going on is that it's growing down, and then eventually what happens is it shoots up. It's the same way with our walk with God, guys. What we're talking about is invest in the things no one sees, and eventually everyone will see. Right? Invest in the things that no one can see. It's easy to do the things everyone sees. It's easy. But are you going to be faithful to do the things that no one sees? The last thing, we see righteousness noticed, but now we see righteousness hated. The people hated Gideon for this. Why is this? And here's, I'm going to make it real quick, is that when people's idols are attacked, they get defensive. They get defensive. When it comes to standing up for what's right and doing what God has called you to do, do not think that the world is going to love you for it. Because they won't. But again, this goes back to what we're understanding. Who do you fear more, God or them? Because I want you to understand that no, nothing in this world deserves your fear more than God does. Right? So there's a lot that we could talk about. There's a lot we could talk about in this passage. And next week, we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about the way that Gideon delivered Israel in an amazing, incredible way. But before we could get there, we had to see how Gideon was faithful to do what needed to be done in his own house. 